This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast with Roscoe, the Fanalist, and Subby. Oh, well, Leafs leafed it up again, but you know, that happens. Welcome to Leafs Late Night, the home of leafing things up. I am Roscoe, joined by the Fanalist, as always, and Beaner. Thanks so much. Uh, waiting on James from Offside, see if he'll join us, but uh, no worries. If not, we can always reschedule. Yeah. Well, that yeah, that was um, that was not fun. No. In any sort of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it kind of seems like Craig Ander- Anderson co-authored the book of how to get goalied, and the Leafs just have a hard time <laughs> reading it over and over again. I don't know. It seems like every time this guy's in net, the Leafs lose. Yeah, I wouldn't give him too much credit on this one. I don't think the Leafs had that many decent shots Fair. other than what Ilya Mikheyev was able to throw on net a couple times. But Leafs now 0-2 against 40-plus-year-old goalies in the last couple of years. So that's an awesome record. <laughs> yeah, I just had this feeling. I don't know. I saw his name on the starting lineup and had this gut-wrenching feeling. And even though the Leafs didn't have a lot of great opportunities, Anderson was great. So. Yep, picks up his 18th career win against the Leafs. He uh, is definitely one of the Leaf killers. There's a group of them that's growing, unfortunately, but uh, he is one of the still active Leaf killers out there. Shout out to him, though, for prolonging his career up to 298 wins now, right? Almost at the 300 mark. Guy has truly battled for every single win. And every job, man. Like, he he's moved around a lot and he's always called up in uh, dire situations and always proves that he's still worth picking up for that. So yeah, uh, just trying to find anything positive to talk about here as always. I can give you the positive if you'd like. Okay, go for it. (laughs) Well, first time playing in a full barn in over two and a half months. That's something that's a little positive, you know, and Marner's yeah. 400th career NHL game, and he was named uh, first star of the month in February. Matthew's first star of the week last week, so. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't sound like a full burn tonight. No. I mean, it did at the beginning, <laughs> but it went quiet real quick. Um, and the flip side, Twitter gets real hot when they're losing like this. Yeah. Uh, so uh, first period didn't look too bad. Um, Justin Hall was still looking good with a couple chances, a couple good passes out in front of the net. Robertson was looking good, had a couple nice opportunities as well. But uh, Leafs go down one nothing. but fortunately Bunting, keeping his streak up, feeds it over to the Sandman. Enter Sandman. <laughs> Ties it up at one. Beaner's favorite. Yep. I was uh, I was pretty pumped to see rasmus get that one and show up the other rasmus on the other side but uh yeah no aside from how pumped up he got after that goal too i thought that we didn't start out horribly like that that first goal was a stupid unlucky bounce right like yeah for it to hit riley and go in like that mrazic had no chance and then it seemed like at least at the start that every time matthews touched the puck he was he was buzzing. He was all over the place trying to get something going. Just just couldn't do it. Yeah, everybody's talking about, you know, why does this happen against bad teams like this? I feel like bad teams, when they go up against an elite team, they just collapse in front of the net and don't let anyone take a shot because they know if anyone does, 
it's going to be bad. And Buffalo did exactly that. They just collapsed in front of the net. Everybody was diving and blocking shots. Leafs didn't get anything really quality through onto Anderson. So, yeah, uh, besides Sandine getting that nice one with a feed-off bunting, that was it. Like, there weren't really... I mean, like I said, Mikheyev had a nice breakaway and a couple other chances where he was fighting for it. But, man, it was tough on everyone. People were firing it from way outside. Labushkin firing from the point. Tavares firing from the point. Like, they just couldn't get anything through. Plus the whole mentality thing, too, right? Like, if you're a bottom feeder team who's had a rough year, you've been losing everything, you come into this one like, hey, nobody's expecting us to win. How great would it be if we come out and win tonight? And, you know, kind of show everybody that we're not quite dead yet, right? Like, Yeah, Buffalo has a lot more to win in this game than the Leafs have to lose by losing it. I mean, it's just Leafs are coming off a three-game winning streak. You know, there's a couple issues that everybody's talking about right now, some things that need to be dealt with. But I think they would still be talking about that win or lose. But for Buffalo, this is, you know, it it means they're trending in the right direction. And we'll get to um, how the trade has affected them later. But I think... uh, their first line has really stepped up. I think Skinner has found new life finally. And uh, Tage Thompson is developing into really a, a first line star, like at, at the size that he has, man, if he can really start putting that to work more and, and Buffalo starts to uh, build up around him and, you know, defensively and goaltending wise, get some solid pieces in there. They, they're going to be good soon. Yeah. This is a totally different team than when we fa- last faced them in November. I mean, now we have see the likes of Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs in the lineup and their sneaky goal scorer, uh, Victor Olofsson, aka Golofsson, actually got bumped down to PP2 in the third line. So tonight, I think, was a big test for Toronto, especially playing Morazic for the second night in first time this year, consecutive nights. And yeah, they just pushed back. I mean, the first goal, essentially, it wasn't Mrazek's fault, but the Bryson shot was just a lob shot. It kind of just felt like a dump in or a, like they said on the broadcast, this wasted shot and totally unlucky. I had high hopes going into the second, but things went a little downhill. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, Brody got tripped. I don't know how that didn't get called. That was insane. Everybody was up in arms. The crowd was booing. He was yelling like just a blatant trip. He goes sliding into the boards. And uh, on top of that, Buffalo scores. So Mrazek was caught out of the net there. I mean, this is how he plays. He's he's aggressive and he tries to cover and he slides around very hard. But uh, unfortunately, sometimes that leaves the net wide open and he lost track of it. So. That was it. Yeah, just another unlucky play again because Marner tried to cut off the pass and it went off his stick. And then there was a shot from Asplund, but it bounced off Sandine. So Mrazek was totally on the opposite side, wide open net and just no chance once again. But I was also disappointed with the power play that happened right before that Buffalo goal. Yeah, they said uh, zero for 12 in the last six games. And Keith was saying in in an interview that uh, the teams are getting to expect what the Leafs have to bring and they're trying to switch things up, but the team couldn't really connect when they put Matthews in that bumper spot last game. So they reverted back to the old plan, but it just wasn't working tonight again. Yeah. It's weird how bad the power play seems when they still, every time they go on the power play, it's like, Oh, they're first in the league. It's like the odd game where they get five, they'll go like three or four for five. And then they go like 0 for 7 for the next couple of games. Yeah. It's like it, somehow they managed to keep the percentage up, 
but if you watch every single game as we are forced to do um you, you don't see the number one overall consistency that uh, should come with that rank yeah absolutely and it's it's been pretty stale like i i do like the fact that keith is showing that he's trying to change things around but then at, at the same point you had something that was working you just gotta do it you gotta make it work right like because clearly when you're changing it around it's not your changes aren't working if anything it's making it worse because you have guys that are playing positions that they're not accustomed to they're probably not best suited to like we talked about before that matthews doesn't really look like he's comfortable in the bumper position Mm -hmm. right so why put him there put him back to the half boards let him wire it or put him back at the point let him wire it you know he's got the shot and he can still facilitate other things from those positions and just make it work prove that your shot is what it's supposed to be right yeah and another person that looked out of position tonight was sandine on that first first line right side pair I think, I mean, as much as he is touted as being able to play both sides, like, I mean, I think he's listed as being a left and right D. I might be wrong on that, but I feel like he just was out of place, even though offensively he was still good. But whenever the puck came down to the Leafs end, he uh, he was having trouble really finding his footing there and getting used to that side. I don't know. I didn't like it that much. They yeah, called yeah, it I don't tonight. think he... Sorry, Steph. No, I was just going to say, uh, they called it tonight, right before the game started. One of the commentators said, Sandine, I feel like he's going to have an issue playing on the opposite side with Riley. And he was right. So go ahead, Bean. Well, it's it's only the second time this season they've tried him, like not just a shift here or there, but like actually tried him in a game. Okay, you're you're on the right side today, right? Um the other time was against the Penguins, and he didn't really look the great that great in that position in that game. And it's it's a big change. You don't really think it would be that big of a change, but the way you receive passes, the way you give passes, your extra ability to bank stuff off the boards, right, from going from forehand to backhand, just all the little details that you wouldn't think about, everything's completely different. So I think in time he has the knowledge and the wheels and the the – the stick skills to play his offside, but I don't think he's quite quite there yet. Yeah, and I mean, we saw him fumble that that pass that he received from or tried to receive from Riley, where unfortunately lost control of it, and Buffalo jumped on it and scored again. So it was just kind of bad to worse for everybody through the night. I mean, like I said, the forwards couldn't get through; defense were out of position. Like, just back to the the changing things around and it not working. To John Tavares, I don't think changing up his line mate is going to spark anything there. Like, it's not like they they mentioned on the broadcast, he just matched his season from last year in points already. So it's not like he's not producing. So just keep things the way they are. Like, he's going to find it eventually. This 13 games in a row is just insane for him. Mm -hmm. Like, it's one of those puck lock things. It's going to go in eventually. And the more you change the people around them, the more they have to adjust and and play differently and just do what worked it'll it'll click again especially when you have william nylander john Tavares, and alex kerfoot like that's a really good second line that's first line on any other team pretty much yeah, yeah definitely but right after that um that awesome goal i really have to applaud our third line for trying to answer back i mean 
Engvall had two great chances on a rush, and Mikhaev was buzzing tonight. I found that line super fast, and I have to applaud them for their efforts uh, because the fourth line, I barely noticed them in the third period. I don't think they had many minutes to begin with, but this is just an idea. If you're down 4-1, why not give Robertson a top six shift? You know, like some minutes on the top six just to see what would happen, especially when you're already down 4-1, you know, just to spark something. I know you guys just said you don't want to put a different guy on JT's wing, but Robertson has been that thing that has been brewing and we're waiting. Yeah. I feel differently about like a shift. Like I would be okay mm-hmm. with that than, you know, starting somebody else for a whole game on their wing. Mm-hmm. It's different. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like we've seen Matthews able to answer very quickly when the just say like, look, I'm putting this team on my back. I'm going to score two quick ones here. Like hold my beer. True. And my smelling salts. And, you know, <laughs> it, so it's hard to put anybody else out there when you have that firepower on the team. Like when you have Austin Matthews, who's leading the league in scoring, it's hard to say, all right, let's let's put Nick Robertson out there. I have a feeling he's going to score. Like I get you 100 percent. I understand. It's just like as a coach, it's hard to say like Matthews isn't going to score next shift. He's out there because he could at any point. Mm hmm. For sure. I'm just thinking about when uh, Keith mixed up the lineups to begin with uh, in the third where you saw Bunting, Matthews, Nylander, and then, or sorry, was it uh, Matthews, Marner, and then uh, someone came up. I'm just thinking JT and then maybe putting Robertson on that line with Kerfoot because you have all your superstars on the first line when you're trying that rotation out. Yeah, I think Matthews went to the second line, right? And then they moved Willie up, or I don't know what happened. It was, it was weird. I couldn't keep track of it. Yeah, at one point there was Bunting, Matthews, Nylander, and then I think I saw Matthews, well, obviously Marner and Nylander, but I didn't see that second line change up at all. So that's where I would like to see maybe something spark with Robertson up there. Yeah, even yeah, after... I... Sorry, Johnny. Um, even after like a, a penalty kill or something, right? Like Marner just out there for a penalty kill, throw a quick shift with Matthews, Bunting, and Robertson, or Matthews, Nylander, and Robertson, just give him a little taste of having someone, no offense to Spezza and Simmons, but someone who is, you know, purposefully driving for that offense constantly. Yeah, I don't understand the, like, even after everything I just said, I don't understand just not playing the fourth line Hmm. at all in these times because they are, like, they fight. And, I mean, if they can kill 30 seconds of, you know, the first line of Buffalo being out there and keep it in the other end and let the other guys come out and then follow the play up, even if the fourth line's able to get a whistle or something, like, let them try it. And like you said, Engvall was having a great game too. Uh, Yeah, not to mention. It's hard to watch them just not connect on anything. Yeah. Well, not to mention, you have a shift like he's done so much since he's been a Leaf, like Spezza can do, and that can just completely fire up the bench. You have these kids that grew up idolizing him and watching him play, see him Mm -hmm. at his age go out there and have just a crazy dominant shift. They're going to want to do the same, right? So definitely now that being said, they've, it was pretty even tonight for ice time really across all the forwards which we haven't seen lately but that could be a little score effect right they're already down so just roll the lines Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So I asked the question on Twitter, um, what's the problem tonight? Defense, goaltending, or the Leafs being Leafs? Um, what one do you guys think was the highest voted? <laughs> this is Leafs Twitter. This isn't just, you know, not not maybe realistic. I'm going to say Leafs being Leafs if it's if we're... Okay. Not my Steph, opinion, but I'm going to say that was the highest. Uh, remind me of the options one more time. Uh, so it was what's the problem tonight? Goaltending, defense, or Leafs being Leafs? Just because there was so much hate for Morazic, I'm going to say the goaltending. So 12% said defense, 33% said goaltending, and 55% said Leafs being Leafs. So uh, I would just like to give a shout out to 55% of leafs twitter oh it just went up 56 we got another vote look at that um i would just nice. like to give a shout out to over half of leafs twitter who is remaining calm and uh i mean somewhat calm because leafs being leafs is not fun but uh it's not necessarily a glaring problem personally i think the defense is a bit of a problem but tonight was a leaf being leaf game for sure yeah they were so disjointed like it's it, it hasn't been long enough since we've seen a game like this but they were definitely weren't weren't clicking, and then no. you have the bad lucks on the bad bounces on top of it, and that's it, it's a tough game. It really is, um, and as hard as it is to find one in these games, um, I'm sure we'll cover some more things. But uh... I'm feeling pretty good, pretty 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 Why? pretty good. All things aside, who was pretty good tonight? Steph, we can start with you. I got to give it to Mikheyev just because he seemed like the only one with pulse out there tonight. Uh, I felt like the Leafs did not have any sense of urgency. And when they did have good chances, something seemed to screw up, like missing the net, didn't connect on the pass or some sort of play. So it's got to go to Cobra tonight for me. Hey, can't argue with that one. Beaner, how about you? Um, I'm going to have to go with Engvall. He had a, a handful of chances. He was getting feisty, trying to, to wake his team up. Just, he, he was trying, but like the majority of the team, nobody could get anything done, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those were the literal only two players I could pick <laughs> off the whole roster tonight. So I'm going to... I'll go Nick Robertson because I think uh, <clears throat> I think he's going to score either next game or the game after. I think he's getting really close. He's looking not like a rookie out there. Like he's he's confident in his shots. He's taking chances. You know, he's not passing it off um, and choking. Like he he's taking the shots. It's just it hasn't gone in yet, and I think it will soon. So I don't know Robertson, Nicky Robbie. <laughs> My favorite nickname <laughs> for that guy, Nicky Robbie Bobby. Nikki Robbie, I want to go fast. <laughs> I dropped a pen. Sorry. Yeah, I would have loved to give it to Morazic tonight. You know, I'm rooting for the guy. I would love to see him win two games in a row. But tonight, sometimes it just wasn't acceptable, especially those goalie versus shooter uh, plays and he lets it in or I, I just have no confidence in Morazic sometimes, especially when it's a one-on-one. I don't know, and I hate feeling this way, but it seems like he's guaranteed, like Mike said on Twitter, to let in three goals every game. Yeah. Okay, so um, 
real quick, let's just run through our little questions here. Thoughts on the Riley Sandine pairing, just as a whole. Would you run it back again? I would. I would. Yeah. Just, yeah, just because they did look good, and people thought maybe there'd be a problem if both of the D pinched at the same time. And it's clear that Sandine is still only a couple years into the NHL. He hasn't even played a full season yet. So he's going to get nothing but better, in my opinion. And he's already playing like he has more than couple years under his belt so i would definitely give them another chance i think so too because i think as rough as it was tonight sandian needs to get used to the right side because uh, if he's going to be sticking around long term on this team riley's got that number one left side locked up long term we just made that decision this year so you know the only one available if he's going to keep improving to his ceiling that we've seen is possible uh and he wants to be on the first pair it's going to have to be on the right side yeah. Yeah. And it, I, like I said earlier, I think he's capable of it. Um, he definitely has the hockey knowledge. He definitely has the speed, the skating. It, you name it, he has it. He can do it. It'll just, it's going to take time. And then as for this year, keep keep at it at least for another couple games. It's not like you're, yes, it would be amazing to win the division, but... It's not like you're fighting for your playoff lives. You can afford a little bit of a slip up here. I don't want to get too carried away, but you can afford a little. See what you have. Honestly, it would be better to be finishing fourth anyway. Well, <laughs> I, I still like win the division and play the one of the wild cards. But um, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, it's it. See what you have because this could unlock a, a great pairing. Because even if they both did pinch. They're both fast enough and skate well enough that they can both get back. Yeah. It also puts um, Brody down with Hull, and I think that has improved Hull's play immensely, and I don't think it takes away from what Brody brings to the game, so I think that's been a great little uh, treasure trove there of a second pair. Um, As for, you know, is it playoff quality? I don't think so. Like, you know, if we're just figuring out if Sandine can play on the first pair there and you know, Hall's finally finding his stride and we kind of have a third line, but like Dermot's being shopped and Labushkin's, you know, moving around up and down the lineup there. I I think there's still something missing and I really hope that we see it come soon. Um, let's uh, go to our pigeons from Twitter. Twitter questions. Uh, first up, thank you everybody for sending us questions. We appreciate it. Um, so... Fun guy at Southpaw Cal. Can we not have good things? Uh, no, we can't. Welcome to being a Leafs fan. It's uh, Period. repeating. For some reason. I don't know. It's so frustrating. Um, Mike at MTC underscore 80. Thank you again, Mike. Uh, some people believe this team, how it is currently assembled, can not only compete with Tampa if they meet in the first round, but also defeat them. Can I have some of whatever they're smoking? Tampa would beat this team to a bloody pulp. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, defensively, I don't think they can stack up against Tampa right now. Goaltending-wise, they definitely can't if both of them are playing the way they currently are. Um, and I think forward-wise, people can fight me on this. I think the Leafs have the edge if everybody's playing well. Uh, I think with the loss of depth that Tampa had over the la- the offseason, I think the Leafs actually have the better top 
six or top nine over uh, over Tampa. I know there's some start. I know like Kucherov, obviously, but like I Kucherov and Stamkos, I would take Matthews and Marner, honestly. So I think uh, I think we've got them beat there, but it's the back end that I don't think we can uh, stack up to them with. So I kind of half agree with you there. I totally agree. Uh, when you have Vassy and Net, uh, I mean, a couple months ago, we thought we had the Vesna winning goalie in our side of things, but things they things can still change. I'm not knocking Campbell. Campbell is still elite, but like you said, Johnny, with how it's going right now, I don't trust Mrazek enough to play him in more than two consecutive starts, uh, especially if you want to try things out with your defensive pairings. I'd rather have Campbell and Net just for that assurance, but yeah, it's it's tough, and I want some of whatever they're smoking too. <laughs> yeah because if we're talking about a seven game series and they're going back and forth because i mean if we're doing one a one b and campbell you know if this is the narrative we're following like how everybody feels right now we're not trusting that campbell can play a full seven game series or the entire playoffs without Mrazic stepping in but we at this point i think the consensus is that we don't feel that Mrazic is going to be able to step in for those few games he's going to have to play in the playoffs i I don't think that uh, it would be that much of a, a killing by a team like Tampa in the playoffs. Not that I'm saying that we can go out there and destroy the two-time defending cup champions, but look at how we play against them in the handful of games we've played in the last couple of years. And look at, say, look at the Colorado game earlier this year in Toronto. Yes, I know they had Jonas Johansson in that so I basically could have been a net for them, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jonas. Um, but when the Leafs need to, they can step up against those teams. It's it, historically yeah. it hasn't been the high flying teams that the Leafs have had a problem with. No, it's, it's Buffalo, been St. Louis, Ottawa, Arizona. <laughs> no, but Ottawa, like it's been yeah. you know St. Louis, Boston, that that style, right? Yeah. So. Yes, Hedman scares me in a series. Vasilevsky scares me in a series. I completely agree with you, Johnny, with forwards-wise. But I don't think it would be as bad as everybody's, you know, doom and gloom thinking with regards to these teams. And with Campbell, yes, he's having some blimps right now, or blips right now in the season, but he did not lose the series against Montreal. No, that's fair. He is the reason why the Leafs had a chance to win pretty much every single game in that series. Like yeah. he, he played yeah, and if unreal. we can see him get back to that, then they have a chance against Florida or Tampa. It's just they need another defensive piece because people can't walk through like yep. they have been. Like It doesn't matter who you have in net. If they're able to get these shots off like teams have the last couple nights, it doesn't matter. Like Vasilevsky would let those in. Yeah, and if you're... Not with that chest protector. yeah he's so big but even if you decide to let the goalie have the shot you want to be confident that the goalie is going to make that one verse one save and that's a problem i had with morazic tonight once again yeah okay next question sarah at sarah uh good day sarah good day uh favorite cocktail or beverage of choice watching games oh fancy sorry sarah i botched that (laughs) (laughs) well my go-to is always a beer uh right now i'm drinking core's original but usually just a quick beer for me because it's easy and goes with whatever i'm treating myself to that night as well 
Nice. Where you being? I'm typically a beer guy. Um, if I'm out at a, a sports bar or a restaurant or something, I might get a nice spicy Caesar or a whiskey sour mm. if they know how to make it properly. Ooh. But they got to make Both it properly. Both great choices. Spicy. Do you like it with the uh, the egg white, the whiskey sour? When I first heard that that's how it was supposed to be made, I like <laughs> was like just disgusted. I thought it was no, it can't be good, but it is so much better. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's the best. Love it. Only way to do it. Love it. Um, I'm weird. I like sour beers. I'm always like the only one, but I uh, I like the craft sour beers. There's one jam up the mash from uh, Collective Arts. That's really good. Um, I don't know, just a weird taste. I guess I have. <laughs> So to answer your question, Sarah, everyone says beer. <laughs> yep. Um, buh, 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 buh. Simon Nomas at Simon97. When do you think is a good time to make some or the trade? Now, a few games before the deadline or at the deadline? Um, I would say in a few games because the closer you get to the deadline, prices go up. And, uh, you know, you might lose out on some people. Um, give it a couple games to evaluate what's going on here. Because I think the issues have only just started appearing. So you kind of got to let them settle a bit and see if everybody can recover internally. But I think Muzzin going down needs to be addressed sooner than later uh, before they start falling, you know, drastically. But I don't think that'll happen. I think, you know, usually they can outscore their problems. But tonight they could not. <sighs> What do you guys think? Um, you know, again, it was uh, now closer to the deadline or uh, at the deadline. I don't think now. I think uh, guys like Robertson, in my opinion, they're still on showcase, and he's going to get at least another couple of games. And Dubis is going to make the decision if he's going to be a trading piece or not. But this is obviously just my opinion. But I would like to see something happen by the end of next week. So I'm kind of in the area where closer to the deadline, but not too late. Bean, what about you? Um, historically, Dubis is normally kind of gets out ahead of it, right? He doesn't get caught in the trade deadline stuff for the most part. Um, yeah, we always have a boring trade line, trade deadline day as Leaf fans. <laughs> yeah, it'll be last minute a couple lower end guys just to kind of fill out depth, right? Like Tyson yeah. Nash and that kind of thing. Um, I think he's probably going to try and wait closer just to try and take advantage of the cap as best he can. Because the mm -hmm. longer you wait, the more cap space you can accure, Fair. plus the less an incoming salary would count against it, right? Um, it ultimately, I think, would all come down to what they're trying to do. Are they trying to add that one big piece on D? Are they trying to add a complementary piece on D and a complementary forward? It really just depends. Well, I mean, we heard from Fridge tonight that they could be going after Elias Lindholm. So that's um, that's an interesting potential piece that could come in there. On uh, Oh, uh-oh, what is going on? Here speaking, he is. Speaking of an interesting piece coming in. <laughs> I love that. You, I love that. You're like our Al's brother. You kill me. You kill me. <laughs> I love that. Just 
just no heads up. Perfect timing. Um, <laughs> so, so um, I will pose the question to you, Darty Roder. Do you think uh, Dubas should make the the move um, now in a few games, closer to the deadline, at the deadline? Do you let this simmer a bit, or do you, you know, make the move? Well, to go back to like, you know, if we want to go back to um, what was it was last podcast podcast forty five. It was like a nice even number, I think. But episode, I remember nah, it was forty seven. Was the last was forty seven? Okay, so. <clears throat> We were uh, we were talking, and you guys were very confident. And I did say that the Leafs would probably take a fat L this one. <laughs> and you know what? Like, I don't want to consider myself the prognosticator of prognosticators here. Like, I don't think it's beyond reason to believe that the Leafs would take a fat L at some point. <laughs> but um, as there, there was reasoning, I wasn't just throwing shit on the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, sorry, Luke, man. I there's my first swear. I'll I'll watch my <laughs> watch my tone, watch my words, but. Uh, <laughs> No, because when I went back, you guys were watching that that episode that uh, Sportsnet had uh, robbed from me. <laughs> so I had to to look at a couple other games. And just I said, there's just so many inconsistencies and they were starting to pile up. And I looked at the Habs game and I just didn't get it because the, uh, the games following, there seemed to be some sort of rhyme or reason to what the Leafs were doing. The the plays, like where everybody was, how they were clicking. And then that Habs game, I was like, it just kind of fell apart. And so I said, I don't know the little things that were going wrong each and every game after that, they didn't all happen at once. Like they did in the Habs game. So when I saw the buff, the Buffalo game right in my head, I'm like trap game. Like the Leafs are going to take a fat L Y because I think this team's amazing. And one of the things that, um, I know about amazing teams, uh, maybe being, I don't know if you know a lot about like NBA, like back in the day, but in the nineties, the bulls used to lose to the Raptors a lot, even though the Raptors were a garbage tier team. Because, <laughs> and you know what, where do, where do those, where do those nineties bulls, you know, where did they end up? Right. Like they won championships. So it's not like an uncommon thing among uh, championship teams. End point. I think we need to simmer a little bit. I think we just need to wait and see right now. All right. Wait and see. Uh, yeah. So the kind of same thing I said, wait a couple games and see what you got and then uh, see what's out there still. Um, Luke man has asked, uh, I just want hockey that doesn't feel like a roller coaster with a rocket attached. Uh, is that too much to ask? Yes. Apparently, in the last week, it is because every game has been absolutely wild. I don't know if you guys have caught anything around the league, but it's been wacky. Uh, but to your point, Darty, I th- it it reminds me of the game that Calgary blew after their ten game winning streak to Vancouver, where they just got blown out seven to one. Um, and it was like. Daryl Sutter said that there were issues that he wanted to address, but it's hard to when you're on a 10 game winning streak. The guys don't listen to you. <laughs> so I feel like he's in a similar position where it's like when you're on a winning streak like this and, you know, you score 10 goals in a game, it's hard to tell the guys they're doing things wrong. But as those things pile up, eventually you are going to lose a game because of those issues. And tonight was one of them. So Keith was, uh, I'm sure, making lots of notes in the last five minutes of all the things he's going to do at practice tomorrow. <laughs> Wake up call number two. Yep. Yeah. So that does it for our Twitter questions. Steph, unless you had any more? Uh, nope. Cool. Um, so we're going to play a fun little game called Who Won the Trade? Okay, so. I'm going to list off some trades from the last couple of years. Um, and you guys are going to just give me 
quick because there's a couple of them and we I mean we got lots of time to go through these but um let me know who you think won the trade so Steph we're going to start with you on this one um Suzuki for Pacioretty okay so Montreal and Vegas trading a uh first round pick for the captain mm-hmm. who won this one who at this point well, they got first liners, first power play uniters uh, for exchange of each other. Uh, I mean, Suzuki's only topped 41 points in 56 games. I think Pacioretty is the clear winner. Vegas is the clear winner Winner here, in my opinion. Uh, he's a point-per-game player, and he plays with elite talent. So I think it's obviously Vegas. So I'm going to challenge you on that one and say it's Suzuki and Montreal Canadiens who win this one because I think long-term Montreal is getting their new number one center out of this. And I don't think Vegas is going to hold on to Pacioretty. Like, he's been riddled with injuries since he's moved. He's played fantastically in the uh, the games he's been in there. But, man, he's out again. Like, yeah. this this is not good for them. They are cap-strapped, and Pacioretty is going to be one of the first ones they look to move, I think, in the offseason. So... Uh, it might end up being all for naught for Vegas. Uh, that's just my take on it. But I, I would give this one to uh, to Suzuki and Montreal. Okay. Because I, I, I honestly, I think uh, over the years, this one's going to play out better. Because Suzuki could play on Montreal longer than Pacioretty's still in the league. So You're right. Over the years, it's a win for Montreal. But for immediate impact, I would give it to Vegas. Um just because Pacioretty is valuable all across the board and Suzuki just it's taking a little bit for him to get going, but he's not to blame. Of course he plays for the halves and yeah. yeah. If Vegas is able to have Pacioretty Eichel and everybody healthy and go into the playoffs like that, mm-hmm. they're going to be dangerous and it, it could prove to be a win for them. Like if Vegas wins the cup with Pacioretty, they won the trade. It doesn't matter. Everything after that is thrown out. They won the trade. Like, cup means you win. Who's made the cup final since that trade, though? Both. Who's in last place since the trade, though? (laughs) No, no, I know. Well, (laughs) Vegas is going to miss the playoffs this year, so. Both have made the cup final. That's fair. Vegas hasn't seen the trade this year. (laughs) I thought Vegas made the cup final. They they did, but before the Patches trade. Yeah. Mm. They made the cup Uh, final with James the Real Deal Neil, okay? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yep. All right. So, uh, Beaner, second one is to you. Kadri for Barry and Kerfoot. Hundred percent Colorado and Toronto trade the infamous one. I'd have to say Colorado because of Kadri's production. Now, I love Kerfoot. Anybody who's listened to me on the podcast knows that I love him because he. His hockey knowledge is great, even though he's not going to score a ton of goals. Just he does everything right. Um, but you, the, the inclusion of Barry in that trade is almost a negative. Um, exactly. No offense to him, but he did not work out in Toronto. Absolutely not. Some of that might have been Babcock, but he had a chance to get over it after that. No, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, the situation for Kadri in Toronto was complicated. I mean, they kind of had to move him. And cap-wise, do I think they'd be able to have Kadri over Kerfoot? And, you know, having a seven, what's that, four, $24 million second line? 
Or, I mean, assuming Kadri would be instead of bunting on the for, on the first line, like that would have never happened if we'd no. still had Kadri. So, wasn't it two straight playoff I mean, suspensions too? Right, like we couldn't keep him anymore. Like we couldn't exactly. I was in I was in the bar. I remember both times that happened. I was in a bar both times that happened. <laughs> Every single like like the 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 vitriol the the like like people wanted him to fight, but then just like knowing that he was getting like he was getting kicked out of the playoffs, like like there were jerseys thrown in a fucking bar. <laughs> Swear number two, by the way. It 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 very yeah. Sorry, Johnny. It it very easily could have been three playoffs in a row. I don't know if you guys remember the Washington series. The one time skating by Ovechkin, he stuck his knee out and got Ovechkin's thigh. Like I remember, you remember his wife. I don't know if it was Twitter or Instagram or whatever it was, but Ovechkin's wife, like his leg was black and blue. It looked like someone dumped a can Oof. of black paint on his leg. Like that easily could have been another suspension. Yeah, so that just adds to it. I mean, contextually, it was impossible for the Leafs to keep him. But yeah, Colorado ended up benefiting from the Leafs' loss there. Had Barry worked out and we had another star defenseman and Kerfoot there, like I would feel different about this. But the fact that Barry is just an X off of this trade, it it has to go to Colorado. Yep, absolutely. So, Darty, next one's for you. Okay. Pierre-Luc Dubois for Patrick Laine. Well, I think uh, there's some recency bias here because we've seen uh, Line A just light- lighting up the past couple games. But uh, I feel like, you know, I, I, f- I definitely feel like with the information we know now, like the Jets won that trade, right? Like they 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 seem to be excelling with uh, with uh, douche boy <laughs> as I like to call him and uh, line a it's taking him a lot longer to figure out what he wants with his career whether it's going to be in Columbus or whether he wants to see himself out I guess also too we saw that there was probably not gonna be a lot of positive energy when uh, you know torts came around too right so um you know me I, <laughs> um, I'm I'm not like the I, I follow a lot of hockey, but I don't follow all the in-depth stuff. That's where Steph and Bean come in. So I'm never going to give you a hundred percent great answer on these sort of things. But uh, I said, just from my uneducated opinion, you know, I've seen the the success that the Jets have had. I'm going with uh, Dubois. Since this one's close, I'm going to throw this to everybody. So uh, Steph, what do you think on this one? That's one for Dubois. I think it worked out for both teams. Uh, it was known that the locker room had this hate against line a uh, Wheeler and Shifley just made it clear how they did not get along together. And it really affected line A's output because he was a fan favorite getting 36 goals to start his career. And then things kind of went downhill after a couple good goal scoring seasons, but yeah, line a wanted the first line minutes and Shifley said, no, I want to play with Wheeler. And then in Columbus, Everyone was leaving Columbus. Panarin left, Bobrovsky left. Uh, these big names were leaving. So the next in line was Dubois. And then we saw Felino, etc. So, Atkinson left. Yeah. So I think it worked out for both. But I think Winnipeg won because now they have two awesome first lines because Pierre-Luc Dubois found this awesome chemistry with Kyle Connor. So in my opinion, Winnipeg won this won this trade. Beaner, what do you think? At this point, it's probably got to be Winnipeg. Um, now, the Jackets, depending on what happens with Line A, right? Like, it's it's very hit and miss. Is he going to stay? 
are they going to be able to offload him at the deadline? Because he'd get a wicked package in return. Um, right after the trade happened, Jack Roslovic, who was also traded to the Jackets in that trade, was actually playing really, really well. Um, but he's kind of disappeared a little bit. But um, yeah, no, w- without seeing what's going to happen with Line A, it's definitely got to be the Jets because as much as I dislike him, um, basically just for what he did against the Leafs in that Columbus series, <laughs> um, P- PLD is a very good center. And I think that was a pretty pretty smart move by Kevin Shoveldayoff. Yeah, unfortunately, as much as I dislike the Winnipeg Jets, I got to give it to them for this one. I think Dubois... Okay, this is tough because I think Line A is going to be a better player, but I don't think he will be that better player on Columbus. Mm. So I don't think Columbus can win because of that. I mean, like win the trade. I think you have to remember too, just um, like I pointed out with Nazem Kadri, is that... Um, <clears throat> Uh, Line a ha- like we're and this is just a darty take here that Line a had uh, his own Brian McCabe moment uh, in the middle of his uh, race to be just as good, if not better than uh, Austin Matthews. And he literally shit the bed right after that. Like he just went from being in that race with Matthews to being garbage tier. So <laughs> so um, and you know how we are. Yeah, as, it's as hard to judge both these Canadian players because they played fans, it. Like we eat that stuff alive. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Just pause there. It's a bit of that connection. My apologies. Um, and it's hard for, to judge both these guys because they've played in Winnipeg and Columbus and they've both played for torts. So it's like, how how much have we really seen of either of their potentials? I think because of the situation Dubois is in right now, he's been able to flourish a little more than Line. I think Line is kind of like the James Harden of the NHL where he's just going to keep saying he wants to be traded until he's with people he likes and he can score a lot of goals, whether he wins or loses. I think he's just he's going to be a mercenary in the NHL. He's going to move around. People are going to sign him to one or two year deals for like $14 million. And <laughs> that'll be it. So do we think can we all like this roundtable this one uh, line a do we think he's going to be exponentially better like or is he going to kind of th- I personally do. I think he has the potential to be better than Dubois and score a ton of goals. Like, I've, I feel like I'd put him in, like, the Jonathan Huberto category where he's just going to be, like, an all-forward scoring center or uh, winger. I'd, I'd almost kind of compare him maybe a little more to, like, a Kovalev. Okay. Like, he's got, okay. he's got the skill. He's got a wicked shot when he wants to, when he's engaged, like you saw against the Leafs the other night. He, he can score from anywhere on the ice. Probably yeah. the only shot in the league that's better than his is Matthews. Mm-hmm. And he just, he doesn't seem to want to try every game. I don't know what it would take to get him to fully commit to playing the entire game, game in and game out. But like some of the defensive stuff that Matthews does, you'd never see Line do that. No. What's his uh, background? Never. Like maybe they need to surround him with more players from his uh, country, right? That sometimes Line, that works. He's, he's finished. Yeah, sometimes it does. Yeah, I mean, Finnish players are hard to come by right now in the league. Good, like really, really Isn't good ones. Paul Yarby, Sasha Barkov. Yeah, and didn't Paul Yarby had like like he got sent away for a bit, and now he's uh, now at least at the beginning of the season. I I don't follow the Oilers that much anymore, but they were he was crushing it at the beginning of the season. So me, I said maybe putting him. I, I don't see him going to the Oilers line, eh? but like putting him with a guy like Paul Yarby, and maybe they'd uh, they'd click right. Yeah, I mean, Pugliarvi could go to whatever team Line A ends up on in the future. I mean, the two of them together would be cool. Uh, 
But we should Sebastian move on Ajo. to the next one. Sebastian Ajo. Which one? Okay, fair. I'll another one. Okay, but like this is my point is there's like five. <laughs> and the the finish um, one. So this one is for Steph. Jonathan Bernier and a third rounder for Alex Nadelkovic. The infamous offseason Carolina Detroit trade that everyone went. What? You gave away Alex Nadelkovic? What do you think? Well, Bernier doesn't even play for Carolina. So obviously Detroit won this because they shipped him right after they acquired him. Bernier went to the Devils. So I honestly, Detroit won this uh, over and over again. He was a finalist for the Calder. He was first among goalies for goals against average, save percentage with a minimum 20 goal games played. He's already played 38 this year, which is the only downfall because he's never been in that starter position, kind of like Jack Campbell. But yeah, it's definitely Detroit because even Bernier, he's only played 10 games this year. He's been on IR with a hip injury. So this was easy. Is it though? I think so. <laughs> because I feel like at the time everyone was like, how could you give up Alex Nadelkovich? Um, but he's not been good. He's been really bad. And honestly, for a third round and offloading, like that, I don't know. I feel like this is kind of a 50 50. Like, I don't think. So Carolina was able to lose Bernier. Did they trade him or did they just not? Um, they didn't, just didn't sign him, right? And then New Jersey signed him. So they cleared cap space and they got a third round pick. So, I mean, that's kind of a W in my books because they didn't start Nadelkovich, which would have been a you know disaster. And they, they counted on Freddie instead. Yeah, he's not as bad as you think, guys. Like, he has a 903 this season in one shutout, but I think 15 15. That's pretty sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, considering it's a Detroit team, I think if you're thinking about the future moving forward, this is a win for Detroit. Um, Carolina got nothing in return. So I can't say that they won this trade. If, like, the guy was a rookie, it's not like they were carrying this huge cap and they wanted to dump him off. Like, I think Bernier no, is but... almost at the end of his career. Fair enough. Um, When's okay, Delkovich's contract up? Uh, it's like he's only making seven hundred right now. Yeah, so it must be a couple of years, two years more. Maybe. I think that's a win right there, right? Like <laughs> no, Nedeljkovic N- N- is three million this year and next year. Oh, oh is he? okay. There you go. Oh. Yeah. Um. So the um. You know what? Let's scratch the last one. I want to move on to this conversation. There's um been a bit of discussion because nashville has found uc Saros to be quite a good starting goaltender that they might not need askarov what do you guys think about the leafs going after askarov as a potential starting goaltender for the next foreseeable future because that's kind of the status that he has anybody (laughs) bueller well Boehner. He's okay. Askarov is showing all the signs of gonna like being able to come into the league and pull a Shesterkin or a Sorokin or dare I say a Vasilevsky, right? The the Russian goaltending machine has been ridiculous the last handful of years. Um, but there's also the flip side of that. How many times 
Have we seen a young goaltending prospect come up who's supposed to be at the next thing? And Ian Scott. Justin Pogge. <laughs> you name it, Leland Erling with Calgary way back in the day. Like, Believe me, you do not want to get into this conversation with me unless you have 48 hours. Um, <laughs> Don't talk tendies it, with attendee, okay? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it goes on forever, but it, it, it's such a gray area. What are you going to have to give up to get him? Fair. Because at this point, his value is more in the what if than the what is, like what what he is, right? Okay, then flip side of that, what do we know about Aktiamov, who is the Leafs, I, I think, Russian uh, goalie prospect? Who is, you know, we haven't seen much of him, but, you know, all the numbers and, and prospect uh, what reports on him are very good. Yeah, we don't know a ton. Um, he doesn't have the same sex appeal as Askarov <laughs> does. <laughs> I don't mean visually. I mean prospect-wise. No, he means visually. He means visually. <laughs> <laughs> Got a big schlong. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, look at this handsome lad. Eh? <laughs> oh. Tandy style. But uh, yeah, it, it's there's a lot of promise there he's got the bare the bare bones and the basic skills and the athleticism to be able to be a top tier goalie it's just whether he can put it all together for the nhl level right Mm -hmm. so he's a he's a a distant future project he's not a you know don't worry about reassigning campbell and bring him in next year project fair um i mean he's only I mean, he's 20 now, so we drafted him fourth round in the 2020 draft. So it's, man, the amount of goalies that the Leafs have drafted over the years that just waste away in the Marlies and they never make it up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Wall and Scott are pushing, what, 26 now? And they're still not breaking through into the NHL? Like, Do you think he's going to be trouble and they were moving around? World junior goalies. Oh, sorry. Do so you think there's going to be trouble moving around Russian players that aren't currently in the AHL, like the ones who are playing over in the KHL? That was a point I was going to get to is like, we might not even be able to see any of these players play. If, if things keep going the way they are, they might not be able to come over from whatever league they're playing in. And this is going to get complicated. Very. Very, very quickly. Like there was already um, rumblings of not renewing visas next year for players that are already here. Oh my god! Like, this is gonna get weird. Could you, you imagine, like Ovechkin being denied to play next year because his visa wasn't renewed? Ovechkin, Aaron, Bobrovsky, so like the number of Russian players in the league is huge. Vasilevsky, I right? I don't. The side of that that I don't like is that's gonna send a ton of money and players to the KHL. Like, those guys are... Like, what do you think Ovechkin's going to do? You're not allowed to come to the States. So, okay, I'll play for Dynamo Moscow for fucking $40 million, thanks. Yep. Like, they're all going to stay there. So, what do you... I, I get the precedent, but I don't... I don't think it's going to have the effect that they want, especially if they're trying to... Like, I mean, on Steve Dangle's podcast, they were talking about how there's the Finnish League and the Swedish League and all these ones that could form together and be a bigger professional hockey league than the KHL is. But 
you know, as it stands, the KHL is the second biggest professional hockey league in the world. So if you kick all these Russian players out, all of the that talent goes there and it increases the value of all these teams. And, you know, it just makes it harder for any other leagues to compete with the talent and money they have. So I don't think that's going to be a good situation to put the NHL in. But at the same point, I don't think, not to get too political here, but if it if things continue the way they are, I don't think Russia is going to have the money to continue having all these teams pay out $40 million a year for these players, good right? Point. That's a good point because the ruble is currently worth less than a penny. So I don't know how they would, I don't know how they're going to pay the contracts they currently have promised. So yeah. I mean, they could, I'm sure these guys, these oligarchs have access to American money. I mean, I, I think it's frozen at this point by governments, but I, you know what I mean? Like if they mm-hmm. have access to other currencies, then that's possible too. Um, but no, I definitely get your point that there might not be the money from these guys to fund a KHL moving forward. Um, I mean, as, as of now, their season's paused anyway, and they're down two teams. I don't know how many there are in that league to begin with, but I think losing your two non-Russian teams is, I mean, I'm, to be fair, Jokrit hasn't actually left the league. They just bowed out of the playoffs. The only one that's actually quit so far is the Latvian one, Dinamo, um, Riga, Riga. Thank you. I think they have like one Chinese that's team a, too. If I, I, don't know, I could be wrong. They have a couple, a Kunlin Red Star for sure. Oh, wow, I did not know that. <laughs> Only team I know how much I know. is the automobilist Yekaterinburg for some reason. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, again, sending our support to anybody in uh, uh, with family or connections or just in any way supporting um, the Ukraine and all that's going on there. This is just getting complicated. Like, I, I don't know how this is going to end with um, how it affects hockey, but uh, it's getting weird for sure. And you know what? Hockey's always been political and social in these aspects, right? We got to bring it back to, you know, uh, the Summit Series. Like, this is this is surprisingly hockey in Russia has been, uh, you know, Canadians versus the Russians has always been a, a hot topic, right? Like, we take hockey, you know, hockey's political, right? Like, I said, uh, uh, what's, what's that guy from the Flyers? Um, who broke that that Russian guy's Bobby leg, Clark. right? Like we take this very go, we take this very freaking seriously. <laughs> yeah, and it's like no matter what's been going on politically between that side of the world and ours, sports has always been where we're able to meet in the same arena and kind of come together and cheer for the same thing. And that's the part that's getting weird now. So that's it's really strange to not be able to have that as a kind of buffer in the relationship it's it's really weird they've even removed the russian and belarus teams off nhl 22 that was strange that's, oh I wow saw that. I was like, okay serious <laughs> that's wild that's actually wild so you can't even C- see them for fun <laughs> ccm has come out and said they're gonna stop globally advertising um all their players that they sponsor that are russian yeah yeah i saw that one that's uh Crazy. Ovi commercial taken down with Backstrom and everything with Ovi on it pretty much is cancelled. And I mean, like we've talked about, he did this to himself, unfortunately. So there's not much he can do in the situation. And look, uh, uh, you know, even if we had one year, a league without Russians, like the Leafs would still find a way to lose. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, the the Leafs would just find a way to turn it into like i mean they don't lose that many players i'm just i'm not gonna talk about okay we're just this isn't a weird world 
in the context of if the Leafs didn't have Russian players next year, it wouldn't there wouldn't be that many players gone. Labushian. You know who would be really affected by it is Tampa. Tampa, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Capitals and Washington. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just Labushkin and, and Buffalo. Yeah, that's all I can think of um, on so. the main roster. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing is the, the Leafs have tons of Russians in the system that they would hope to bring up that that's what I'm more worried about yeah. is is the future there. Like if that even if that gets held up a year or two, it's like it, it just changes the development of everybody. And again, I'm not I'm not trying to like make hockey seem like it's important. Like we're just, you know, breaking down how it affects the things in this world. So but, but it, it kind of is important, though, like what Darty said, if you go back to the Summit Series, right, like that is something that is a sporting series that united the entire country like you literally had schools that were showing it on like black and white tvs and the entire school was in the gym watching it or listening to it over the radio like the entire country shut down for that series there are two moments i know in history where canadian schools and school teachers took students and sat them down and had them watch something on tv the the first one that comes very recently is 9-11 and the second one is the summit series okay that's how crazy you know how important hockey is that's up there with such a crazy you know wild uh you know terrorist event right like if you can think of the it's crazy to think about but it's like that's how important hockey is to us right like that we can associate it with those kind of political level scale events like it's, it's... yep yeah yeah, and I mean, all through the Hall of Fame and all through the staff and, and you know, players and coaching of all teams through the league, there's, you know, Russians are very integrated into hockey and they always have been. So it's it's really weird to think about, you know, and I mean, if it's not just players, I'm assuming they would deny, like, well, I guess executives would all mostly be citizens here, but I don't know, like, like Nick Antropov, for example, who works for the Leafs, like, you know, is he getting sent back? He's not Russian. He's not Russian, right? He's from Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan, that was USSR, right? He just former works Soviet Russians. Socialist Republic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a fun, fun world we live. Even in. Even look at look at. Uh, Thank God for sports, everybody. Your idol, Darty. Martin Brodeur. Yeah. Who was his goalie? He looked up to and did summer training camps with. You know what you're going Vlatslav Tretiak. No way. Yep. The goalie from the Summit Series. Wow. Small world. S-M-O-L. <laughs> oh, man. Um, anything uh, you want to send us off with tonight? Let's let's I, turn the mood up a bit before we sign out. I got a little... Any today in hockey history? Um, I, there wasn't really much interesting on that point tonight, but I got a little trade for Darty to, to break down. Okay. Ooh, okay. So in in honor of you calling it correctly last podcast and saying that this was going to be a trap game and me completely disagreeing with you and thinking that we would be able to win it, I'm going to serve you up a nice pizza like one of the rebounds in the last couple of games here. And I'll hopefully eat it up like the no, okay? <laughs> I, I want you to break down the 1991 trade where the Toronto Maple Leafs sent their first round pick to New Jersey Devils for Tom Curvers. <laughs> do, do you know who the Devils took with that first round pick? Well, I'm going to assume, you know, that it's Martin Broder. 
that I, I kind of set you up for failure there. Sorry. Um, it Scott it's actually Stevens? Scott Niedermeyer. Scott Niedermeyer. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> we, we, I, I, I know, never ends. I know other people Toronto have done beliefs, it, ladies and gentlemen, but the number of draft picks that have been used to draft hall of fame players that were originally possession of the Leafs that got traded away is astounding. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's not hall of fame, but we had Tyler Sagan, didn't we? <laughs> that, pick, that pick was ours. The Dougie Hamilton pick was ours. The, the Ro- Dougie Hamilton one. Roberto Luongo pick was ours. Oh God! Um, yeah, we, we, it's a long list. Leonard. The, yeah, and the, that's not including <laughs> the fact that they actually picked Tukarask. Yeah. I said I'm not always caught up on everything, but uh, you don't understand. Like just hearing that name being to me is like like growing up as as a young young boy, very influential. Just wanted to to watch a team win and. Uh, I just, you know, names like Niedermeyer, Stevens, Gomez, um, Patrick Eliash, like they were heroes to me. Like those guys like could do absolutely no wrong. Sergey Breland, Jamie Langenbrenner. Langenbrenner. Oh, man, that one bring back memories. I was thinking, you know what I was thinking of today for some reason? I was like, I was trying to remember Martin Bruder's backup goalies. And I was like, okay, we got, because uh, I couldn't remember his was, name. I was like, okay, we got Scott Clemenson. Like, where the hell is that guy? What the hell is that guy up to these days? Uh, Mike Dunn. He, uh, he played Wahed a David handful of games for the Leafs. Yeah. What was that, Ben? I, I was saying Clemenson played a handful of games for the Leafs. I was going to say, didn't it, he end up a Leaf? Yep. Like everybody at the end of their careers in the early 2000s? And on another really random sidebar note, I noticed it tonight and I had to look up video to make sure I wasn't losing my mind. Not trying to compare them as players at all, but the way they skate and their body style, Nick Robertson reminds me of Ty Domi. Oh yeah. Interesting. Short short little man that's just built like he's built like a brick shit house, like just and just yeah, they're both 5 foot 10. I did, it was completely random. I don't know how it popped into my head because they're not. It's not like they wear the same jersey number or anything like that. Just something funny that I thought I would bring up, and you guys can ponder on and look up. To uh, to any Dragon Ball Z fans, when I was growing up, I always I, I always thought that Ty Domi reminded me of Krillin. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Oh, okay. So one quick fun thing to end this on: Did anybody see? I posted it in our group chat, but did you guys watch the highlights of the uh, Montreal Winnipeg game? From last night? Mark Mark Shifley celebrating losing a fight? Well, I mean, <laughs> not that. I'm just, I was talking more. That was a little embarrassing, but I'm talking more the score. Was it? This was the stupidest game I've ever watched, and I just watched a 10-7 Leaf Detroit Didn't game. Didn't they like break okay? like five of the most bizarre records by, you know, coming back from such a shit loss? <laughs> it was... 4-2 at the end of the first or 4-3 I think at the end of the first period I think it was 4-2 but Winnipeg came out and scored four straight goals in like nine minutes okay Montembeau was it was like four goals on five shots bad I'm like they scored on their first three shots on goal in the game so Montreal's like you know deflated psych they're not because Marty St. Louis doesn't let this team get deflated and after giving up four unanswered goals, they score four in a row to tie it up. And everyone's like, okay, what's happening? Nope, never mind. Winnipeg turns around and scores four in a row again and wins it eight to four. What the hell <laughs> did I just watch? So, okay, so I, was, I was, uh, wasn't I was wrong. 
the NHL Jets are the first team in NHL history to blow a four-goal lead yet still end up winning by four goals. They're also the first team ever to score four straight goals, allow four straight goals, and then score four straight goals again. <laughs> That's a mouthful. I highly recommend watching the uh, the highlights because it is a funny game to watch. But Shifley thought he won that fight just by an- answering the bell. He's like, oh, yeah, I knew I was going to fight that fight. <laughs> Yeah, Shifley's an idiot. He's turned into a huge rat himself too. Like I don't, I, I, I just don't remember him being that. But maybe he always was like that. But ever since he knocked knocked him out the first time, like he just turned into a complete animal. All of Winnipeg is turning into just a bunch of animals for some reason. I don't know what it is about the vibe there. The Winnipeg Wolverines. I wonder they didn't accept Line A. The Wendigos. Yeah. Staff, you want to close us out with something? Yeah, uh, I guess we just have to take this loss and move forward to Saturday where the Leafs will face the Vancouver Canucks and we get a we get to see JT Miller in action because he's been the topic of many conversations. Uh, Vancouver has their 32nd in the league on the PK, so I'm hoping the Leafs will come back and get that power play going. And Yeah, looking forward to it. Hell yeah. And uh, if all things go according to plan, we will have... Marty Zilstra, a.k.a. John Taveras, is underrated from Twitter on, on Saturday to join us. That'll be fun. And uh, Steph, shout out. There was a, a tweet tonight. I think it was from Rachel that said, uh, the uh, the ladies of Leafs Twitter, you all rock. And uh, Steph, I just want to say you rock. Aww. Thanks for being a part of the show with us. It was Amanda. Yeah. Thank- Amanda, thank you. Thanks, Johnny. Honestly, you guys are awesome. Everyone is great. And it's been a it's been a fun ride. So shout out to everyone on Twitter and like guys like Beaner who reached reached us on Twitter and Darty on Insta. So yeah. And Bloke Young, who we will have back, I promise. <laughs> He's bugging me about it. <laughs> um, Waiting for the new track, Bloke. Yeah, bud. Also, um, <laughs> I'm going to start doing a fun thing just because I was inspired by Adam's history corner. I'm not going to do history lessons because I don't want to copy him, but I'm, I tend to go on weird dives um, on Wikipedia or YouTube where I go down a hole of learning about something completely random. So um, I'm every now and then just going to share something random that I learned about. I'll give you guys like a five minute lesson on something you didn't ask. There's before. so much information so. about information. And <laughs> I know anytime you end up somewhere, you somehow cross paths with Adolf Hitler. Uh, it just happens. You can't. <laughs> it's yeah. Every time you go down that hole on on YouTube, you always end up there. Do we have or predictions? Like, anyway, we're, for now. Um, yeah. So Vancouver, they keep being part of high scoring games. I'm gonna say this one's gonna be silly, and it's gonna be like six four Leafs. I like that. I. Th- Anybody gonna challenge me on that? Yeah. Uh, um, so. Go ahead, Bean. Sorry. Uh, rematch of the 94 conference finals. It's going to be a 3-1 Leafs win over Vancouver. Campbell silences the critics and basically tells everybody to, you know, sit down and shut up. I'd love to see him have a great game. Yeah, me too. I feel like it's going to be high scoring just because they're on fire lately and Pedersen has finally found his step again. But... I'm calling for a soupy shutout. I think he Ooh, really baby. needs this. And what a great night to have that happen on Saturday. So I say it's going to be real close to nothing. Soupy shutout. That's funny. I was thinking to nothing too. I'm, but if I'm going with two nothing and I'm going with the Leafs winning around something like that, then like I feel like there's going to be it's two nothing and a fight. I think it's going to be two nothing and there's going to be a big fight. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm feeling it. Oh. 
if it's going to be two nothing, I feel like it has to be a fight, you know. Yeah. So, Kerfoot's going to fight JT Miller. Ooh. Do it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you heard it here. Those are the takes. Let us know what you think it's going to be. We got a couple days before the next one. Be sure to catch up on our old episodes because the last couple have been fire. Highly recommend checking them out. We've had some great guests on. We had Luke Man. We had Sarah. We had, it's, it's just been great. You got to check them all out. You're going to love it. Remember, uh, retweet and follow and all the things that my outro tells you to do. <laughs> follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. See you at the Heritage Classic Sabres. Do not be held accountable for any words that your children's learn in the car. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha